I know some of you are new to us, or maybe you're looking in on, on the camera there. Uh, my name is Chris, Chris Robbins, and I'm part of the eldership team of Kings. And it is my honor to be opening the Word of God to you today. We're going through our little statement of faith. We have been for the last few weeks, and we're plowing through. And I hope you're finding it interesting and informative, and even challenging. Last week, Roger spoke about being on the image, we are created in the image of God. I, I know Roger's here, but last week was one of his good ones. Not that he doesn't have good ones, but one of his best ones. If you, if you, get, if you weren't here, or even if you want to listen to it again, it's online, do listen to it again. Um, it's well worth a listen. And today we're going to be talking about their greatest purpose, that's us, the human race, the greatest purpose is to obey, worship, and love God. So we're going to talk, be talking about worship this morning. Now, I don't lead worship, and I don't play an instrument well enough to play in front of you to worship. And in fact, wearing a mask has an effect on improving my singing voice. So... <laughs> So you might be saying, well, what on earth, Chris, are you standing up at the front talking about worship? Well, worship, as you probably have gathered, isn't just about singing. Worship goes far beyond that. Worship is knowing God. Worship is honoring God. Worship is obeying God. And worship is loving God. And one of the expressions or outworking of worship is to sing. So we've just, had, we've just experienced one of the expressions. Um, but when he's... And I do thank God he was almost tangible today. We had gifts of the Spirit. We had a tongue. We had the interpretation. We had uh, Phil coming up really saying, I really feel God wants to heal people. We had people prayed for presence of God. That's what we worship. Presence of God. Now, it's not coming on the screen just yet, but if you want to get your Bibles ready or your iPads or your phones, we're going to be looking at the Old Testament in Exodus, and we're going to be looking at chapter 33. If I haven't said to you, I mean, I know this is only our second Sunday back as a church, but if I haven't said to you, Happy New Year, and Christmas is now over. <laughs> the decorations are now back in the loft. <laughs> um, and I guess some New Year resolutions may be coming under a bit of strain now. It's two weeks in. Two weeks and two days in into your New Year resolution. If you've made any, how are you doing with them? Are, they, are you still as keen and fervent as you were on the 1st of January. But January can be a month, can be a difficult month, where we can feel a little bit empty. The weather's grey, it still gets dark early. It's just a grey type of month, although it is my birthday month, so that does a bit of a highlight for me. But it's a pretty grey month. And at Christmas, we all enjoy the little extras extra food, a little bit of extra enjoyment, maybe being with your family, maybe being with your children or maybe being with your grandchildren. 
little extras, which um, was great, but now, well, it's all over. And we can be feeling weary. Weariness can set in, and, and it has been, and it still is, a difficult time for us all. There you are, sitting with masks on, and there you have to keep opening them up to breathe, and it's not easy. And last week we had a tongue, Dave brought a tongue, and Sheila brought the interpretation, and then her interpretation was almost like a prayer. It was almost, well, it was Isaiah 64. It was saying, O oh Lord, render the heavens and come down. Render the heavens. Come, Lord, come. This is all... It's, we are waiting for you to come. Change the situation. It's a powerful piece of scripture, Isaiah 64. I recommend you, if you haven't read it, just make a little note, just go home and read it. It's powerful. Isaiah is calling out to God. Isaiah is seeking God. Calling out, saying, come, Lord, come. He was really seeking God. Recognizing his weakness but at the same time praising God and worshipping God. And that's what Sheila brought last Sunday. I don't know whether... I haven't spoken to Dave to say, Dave, do you think that was the interpretation? But Sheila, thank you for bringing that interpretation. And in these days, in 2022, God wants us to seek him, praise him, and he wants us to worship him, even when we don't feel like it. Even when it's grey, it's difficult, we are made to be in a relationship with God, even in these difficult times. As an introduction to this passage in um, Exodus 33, and we will get to it, by the way, God's people were not in a good place. I'm sure many of you know the story God rescued his people from Egypt and they were on a journey and they were going through the wilderness being led by Moses to the promised land. But it wasn't easy for the folk. The trial was getting a bit too long, a bit too much. They were being pushed to the limit, suffering lack. And now Moses seems to have left them. He, was, he went up the mountain, Mount Sinai, to, to talk to God. And Moses was gone away for some time. And he hadn't come down. And the people were coming to the end of their patience. What's going on? We've had enough of this. Where are the cucumber sandwiches? And the, you know, What's going on? We're... we're We've had enough of this. It's gone on, it's gone on, it's gone on. And now Moses has disappeared. Where is God? Has God abandoned us? Was Moses even coming back? We've, we're up to here with it. We've had enough. And we can say, really, that can apply today. We're living in a time where we are pushed, we are stressed, we're frustrated, News footage of terrible floods and droughts and refugees sometimes is so difficult just to watch the news. You think, oh Lord, what's happening? And it's not easy here at home. The pandemic seems to be exasperating. It's not easy. It's not easy being a parent. 
It's not easy working from home. Missing your, the interaction of colleagues at work. No, it's not easy. You're on your own now. Working from the kind of back bedroom upstairs. It's not easy working from home. It's not easy living on your own. If you're living on your own and working from home, it's even worse. It's not easy being a grandparent. Can I hug my children? Can I not hug my grandchildren? I, I don't really... It's not easy. It's not easy being retired. It's not easy being at school. The young ones that have gone out to the drama room there. It's not easy coming to school now in secondary schools, having to wear a mask in the classroom. It's not easy. Not easy for the youngsters. It's not easy for the teachers. It's not easy being in a nursing home. It's not easy being in hospital. It's not easy if you work in the health sector. Patients get, in, get a little bit frustrated. Not easy being in the medical profession today. And of course, it's not easy for those who have had to say goodbye to loved ones. It's not easy. It can be overwhelming, the loss and the pain, the difficulty. And in these times, we can be downcast. The struggle can seem too much. I recently heard a Bible teacher say, in times like this, there can be a tendency to reach out to a tangible comfort. In the midst, in the midst of a trial, it can be hard to trust God, and he can seem hidden or distant. And in Exodus chapter 32, the chapter before we're going to look at, we will get there, I promise you, the story of how God's people decided to make a tangible comfort, a golden calf. They said, oh, let's pull our jewellery, let's put it together, let's form something, let's make an idol in the image of God, but it wasn't God. They wanted something to... Moses wasn't around. God seemed very distant. Let's form our own calf to worship. They made their own and worshipped this tangible comfort. Let me get, I'll throw a question out to you. What do you do when it gets tough? When God seems to be distant, what do you do? What or who do you reach out to? What is your golden calf? Do you have a golden calf that you reach out to? Because the world offers us many things. The world will say, well, it's yours. Well, try it. Have it. You deserve it. You deserve to make your own golden calf. The small print says, when the fun stops, stop. But who reads the small print? No, live life to the full. That's what the world will say. You've only got to go outside that door. It's all around you. Buy me. Buy, use this aftershave. Shave. Look at the adverts before Christmas about aftershave. My goodness, how a bottle of aftershave can change your life. <laughs> or you drive this car and suddenly a whole world opens up because you own this particular model. The world promises such false stuff. Anyway, let's read together. 
Exodus 33, verses 1 to 5. I'm reading from the ESV. It's on the screen now. The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites or Hevites and the Jezebites, in other words, all the, all the ites, all the enemies. And you go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Now, we're going to read a little bit more, so keep it on the screen, please, Gail. Stiff-necked people. I, this isn't a very encouraging New Year message, is it? God's saying, you're a stiff-necked people. I'm not going to go with you. Now, I looked up that phrase, stiff-necked people, and it comes from old times and these times. They used to have, when they were plowing the field, they have two oxen, and the plowman would have one hand on the plow and the other hand on a long stick that he used to poke the back legs of the oxen to speed the oxen up. And when he wanted to turn, he would extend the stick to the neck of the oxen and poke the neck, poke him on the left, to right, and vice versa. And if the oxen was stubborn, they say he was stiff-necked. So stiff-necked means you're stubborn, you're obstinate. You don't, you're not led by God. You're not led by that plowman. You want to do what you want to do. You're stiff-necked. That's what the background is to that. Verse 4. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to these people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Now, if you're new to the Bible, you might think, really? This is quite strong. Is God here? Well, I thought God loves us. I thought God loved his people, but now he's calling them a stiff-necked people and saying, well, you know, he was getting... It's not kind of a little, not a very kind of loving phrase is here. Was God abandoning his people? Even though his people had sinned, was God really abandoning Moses and his people? They were journeying through this promised land, journeying through towards the promised land to a place of blessing. No, he wasn't abandoning his people. God is saying here, you can still have the promised land. I promise that to your forefathers. Your offspring will have that land. And I will drive out your enemies. And he listed out all, the, all those enemies. You can still have the blessing. You can still have the goodness. The land I promised your offspring, your needs will still be met in this promised land. You can still have it. 
You're stressed now, but you will have peace. You may have worry now, but you will have security. You may lack, be, you know, may be lacking things now, but you will have provision, because I promised it in the promised land. You may be in pain now, but you will have comfort. But I will not go with you. Instead, I will send an angel to go before you. I will not go with you. See, God is kind. Even to sinful people, God is kind. Yes, your needs will be met in the promised land. But look at Moses' response. Exodus 33, verse 12 to 16. What a wonderful... How Moses wrestles with God. Just read this with me. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, This is Moses to God, You have said, I know you by name. You have also found favour in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favour in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you, in order to find favour in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. Interesting to just stop there for a second. He Moses didn't say, remember this nation is your people because God doesn't forget. He chooses to not recall, but he doesn't forget. What a wonderful word. Consider too, this is your nation, God. These are your people. Don't, for, you know, don't forget your... No, consider, Lord, this is your nation. Now, I've put in... Because there's... I put in word, the word God here and Moses here because when you read it, sometimes you think, who is he? Is it God or is it Moses? So God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he, that's Moses, said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up out of here. For how shall it be known that I have found favour in your sight, and I, I and your people. Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people from every other place on the face of the earth? Is your prayer life like that? Do you wrestle with God like that? Sheila does. Sheila last week prayed, render your heavens down. Come, Lord, come. Moses is saying, God, if we don't have your presence, I don't want to go any further. That's what we need, the presence of God. Remember that Moses had seen many miracles. He'd seen God's power. It's seen God's goodness, the burning bush, the plagues inflicted on Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, the manna from heaven, water from the rock. Moses had seen all that, witnessed it, been part of it. And yet Moses says, God, we need you. These miracles, your power, the blessings, 
are nothing in comparison to your presence. We want the presence of God. And it's the presence of God that we worship. Otherwise, we're just singing songs. It's the presence of God. I want more of you. This is what Moses was saying. Lord, I want more of you. That's what he longed for. That's what we long for. That's what we worship. In the midst of this trial, Moses says, I can't go on unless you're with us. O oh Lord, render the heavens. What is happening here? God wants to bring his people to himself. God wants his people to seek more of his presence, to have a dependency, to lean into God, to know more of him. This is, this is worship. He wants to draw our hearts closer to his heart, for his people to trust him in the miraculous moments as well as the wilderness moments. Is God changing his mind here? Is God saying, well, all right then, I'll come with you? No, what is God? God is saying here, I want you to seek me more. God is using this experience to draw out that he wants to be sought. He wants us to seek him out. He wants his people to have a desire to know him more. Moses here is interceding with God on behalf of his people. We now live in a new covenant. We have the new testament. We have the new bit. We have a new covenant now. God sent us Jesus. He now intercedes for us. We recently celebrated his birth, but we have a new interceder, a new covenant presence in Jesus. Jesus, at this very moment, is interceding for you to the Father. At this very moment, when some of you were being prayed for a little while ago at the back there, Jesus was interceding to the Father. At that moment, he's doing it now, permanently. If you're in a difficult situation right now, Jesus is interceding for you now. Because you're a child of God. It's not a Doris Day type of thing. For those of you who are old enough, Doris Day sang a song, Que Sera, Sera. What will be, will be. No, it's not like that. It's not a Que Sera, Sera moment. Moses wrestled with God, saying, God, your presence has got to come with us. With us. If you don't come with us, we don't want to move. And that's us today. That's us, King's Church for 2022. Lord, if you don't come with us, we want to stay exactly where we are. We want you to come with us. Otherwise, we're not, we can't go anywhere. Otherwise, it's all our own. It's, we're all on our own effort. It's not our own effort at all. He's the plowman. He's got the stick. We, we've, we don't want to be stiff-necked. We want to be touched on the neck. Oh, this is the way we go. We want to know God's ways. 
Jesus is now interceding with us at the throne of God. Jesus has dealt with the barriers we had against God. He forgives our sin. He removes our sin. He gives us salvation, eternal life. We've sung it today. He makes us new creations. He changes us. He heals us. He comforts us. He reconciles us to the Father. And our response is worship. And what does that worship look like? It looks like we seek his presence. Persevering an ever-deepening relationship with Jesus, knowing we're handpicked, knowing we are called by name, in Isaiah 43, verse 1, it says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. That's as good as when Isaiah wrote that 700 years before the birth of Christ. That was as good then as it is today. I have called you by name, and you are mine. We are distinct. We are a distinct people because we're people of God. We are set apart because his presence is with us. If you are visiting here today or you're just looking in, looking in on the, on the video there, you are so welcome and we're delighted to have you with us. And I hope in some way through the camera you can see that no, we are God's people because we carry the presence of God. The presence of God is all around us. King's Church, the little slogan, little line we have is loving Jesus and making him known. At this, in these present days, we could probably add to that and say loving Jesus, making him known and knowing him more. In the good times and the bad times, in easy times and in the difficult times, we choose to seek God more. We, seek, we choose to seek God's presence more. That is the heart of worship. I know we tend to think, well, worship is just what we do at the beginning of the meeting. No, we're seeking his presence. And his presence was here today and still is. We had demonstration of gifts. We had demonstration of people, I pray, Lord, that who were being prayed for, pray that you, you will heal them. Phil really believes that we're moving into a time of healing. Presence of God. That is worship. That's what we worship. We don't worship a golden calf. We don't worship material things. We worship the presence of God. We're going to sing. We're going to one of the demonstrations of worship, we're going to sing another song or two now. But before we do that, while the musicians come up, before we do that, I'd just like you to pray for the person beside you. That the presence of God will be so real this week that you'll be almost surprised that, oh my goodness, it's the presence of God. Yes, that person prayed for me on Sunday that I would know the presence of God this week and Wow, that was, 
That was a God moment. And we all know when it's a God moment, don't we? We all know when you've had a God moment. You think, my goodness, that's a God moment. So while the musicians come up, um, here they come, Chris, um, just turn to the person beside you. If you're sitting on your own, feel free to move a little bit. Don't get embarrassed. This is not holy, holy, holy. This is real. We're just praying that the presence of God comes upon of the people sitting beside us, just for a minute or two, and then we're going to go into worship. Mm-hmm.